Sometimes going to the grocery store can be chaotic. There doesn't seem to be enough time to check the list, make sure everything is there, search for the best prices, and take the time to make sure you get the best quality meat. So let ButcherBox help you out. Giving you peace of mind, ButcherBox delivers high-quality meat and seafood that you can trust straight to your door. No grocery carts required. Humanely raised, no antibiotics or hormones, 100% grass-fed, free-range, and crate-free, What more can you ask for? What about free shipping, customized box plans, exclusive member deals, recipe inspirations, tips, and tricks? You really can't go wrong with ButcherBox. Sign up at butcherbox.com slash morning cup and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. Choose salmon, chicken breasts, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash morning cup and use code morning cup to choose your free for a year offer plus get $20 off your first order. Hey guys, I have a podcast that I think you'll really enjoy. Proof, the investigative true crime podcast co-hosted by Susan Simpson of Undisclosed and Jacinda Davis of Evil Lives Here is releasing its highly anticipated second season where they investigate the murder of 18-year-old Renee Ramos. The first season, which if you haven't listened to yet, you totally should, saw the release of two Georgia men serving life sentences for murdering their friend, Brian Bowling. And thanks to evidence unearthed by proof, on December 8th, 2022, both Daryl Lee Clark and Kane Joshua Story were finally freed after 25 years behind bars. With that same investigative drive, Susan and Jacinda are on the case again, and this time, They are on the streets of Manteca, California to find out who really killed Renee Ramos. In proof, murder at the warehouse, you hear how, on June 5th, 2000, Renee's body was found buried beneath a pile of debris inside a new Home Depot building. And how, despite tips hinting at alternate suspects, her boyfriend, 18-year-old Jake Silva, and 33-year-old Ty Lopez were arrested and convicted of her murder. Fans of true crime and investigative series won't want to miss this riveting new season. Follow the case as Susan and Jacinda uncover long-overlooked evidence about what really happened to Renee by listening to Proof, Murder at the Warehouse, wherever you get your podcasts. There were two more murders 15 miles away. When police arrived, they found the telephones and electricity lines. We have a weird homicide. The scene described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird... Morning. Cop of murder... Missing persons cases always leave us with more questions than answers. On November 20th, 2012, a young girl whose life was heading in the right direction went out for a date and never returned. Her case, with differing information and lack of media posts, seems to have far more questions than answers. So if you like your coffee hot but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. Sage Smith, born Deshaud LeQuinn Smith, grew up in Charlottesville, Virginia, and at the age of just three, went to live with her grandmother, Miss Cookie. Living in what the media reported as extreme poverty, when Sage was a preteen, she moved from the wrought iron fenced in housing complex to a neighborhood where she met her very best friend, Shakira Washington. As she got a little older, Sage came out to her grandmother and told her that she was gay. Miss Cookie responded by telling her granddaughter that she already knew, and through that support, 
Sage, able to explore, later realized that the label of gay didn't fully suit her. In reality, Sage, who still identified as Deshaud at the time, was a transgender woman. Now going by her new name, Sage struggled through school, but came out as the first in her family to graduate. Things later took a bit of a downward turn when Miss Cookie returned her granddaughter to her mother, and after she was deemed unfit and Sage was forced to spend some time in a foster home, the department paid for her to move into her own apartment. Now on her own, Sage started braiding hair to earn some extra money and eventually made the decision to go to cosmetology school and sweep hair at a local salon. Things only got better when Shakira and Aubrey Carson, her childhood friends, moved in with her. And together, the trio started going to parties, hanging out, and inviting friends over to their apartment. Later dubbed the Dollhouse Mansion due to its painted pink walls, they started bringing dates home and, according to some sources, either had sex for fun or sometimes for a little extra cash. Either way, they were all extremely safe and always kept each other updated on their whereabouts and activities. They had each other's backs no matter what, like the time that Shakira was called on by a local UVA professor, and while at his house, she heard a soft knock on the window and realized that it was Sage lurking outside to make sure she was safe. Things in Sage's life were going really well. She was now 19 years old, was confident, had escaped her rough childhood, and was working hard to pursue her new dream. She was also living her true, authentic self and made sure that those who knew her knew who she was and exactly what she was all about. Though she was always open about her gender identity in person, on November 9th, 2012, Sage officially clicked the female button on her Facebook page. Just 11 days later, however, Sage Smith disappeared and has never been seen again. On the morning of November 20th, 2012, Sage spoke with her father on the phone, congratulating him on the anniversary of his release from jail. At some point, she asked him for some money, but with the exception of that, nothing really seemed amiss during their conversation. She spent the rest of the day in a great mood and was looking forward to the upcoming Thanksgiving break where she planned to travel and surprise her stepsisters with a visit. Then, at around 5 p.m., she started getting ready for a date with a man named Eric McFadden. Now, to understand how she met Eric and why it's important to the story, we need to go back a little bit and talk about what journalist Emma Eisenberg found on Sage's Facebook back in March of 2012. Sage, according to the sources, allegedly placed a number of casual encounter ads on Craigslist and met up with the men whom she communicated with on the site. Though her friends were wary of the practice, either through one of these ads or some other way, Sage met up and hooked up with a married man whose wife she contacted and told of the affair. According to Emma Eisenberg, someone told Sage to, quote, watch her back because people had some unfinished business with her. It was also through that Craigslist ad that police believe she met Eric McFadden. Walking out the door in a black jacket, gray sweatpants, a scarf, and black rain boots, at 5.50 p.m., Sage woke up Aubrey from a nap to say that she was going to, quote, meet a man, but that she would come back later that evening. When Aubrey woke again at 8 p.m., Sage was nowhere to be found. Calling Sage's phone to see where she was, the calls kept getting sent to voicemail. They knew immediately that something was wrong, especially when she didn't come back home the following morning. 
with all of Sage's loved ones, stating how out of character it was for her to not answer her phone or to let it die, Aubrey called the Charlottesville Police Department on the afternoon of November 21st, but was shocked when all they did was ask for her name, birth date, and picture. They did, however, begin preliminary searches for Sage and realized that her last known whereabouts were when she was seen walking down 4th Street on her way to the Wild Wings Cafe next to the train station. By November 24th, they had set up a grid search and began checking every trash can, dumpster, and open lot for signs of Sage Smith. Unfortunately, when asking all the surrounding businesses for their surveillance footage, none could provide other than a traffic camera which only monitored the area and did not record. With little to go off of, they began searching the local landfill and, again, came up empty-handed. Then, a few days after the disappearance was reported, a lead came in with the help of Sage's friends and family, who were desperate to help find her. After handing out flyers and taking to Facebook for information, her family posted the phone number of Eric McFadden and an acquaintance of Sage's, Yami Ortiz, recognized it and reached out. Now, this next bit of information was only found in a few sources, so take it with a grain of salt. But according to Yami, Sage and Eric were actually dating, but he, at that point, was not ready to come out and say he was dating a trans woman. He was also dating another woman, Esther Evini, who allegedly paid Sage in the past to keep the relationship a secret, but unsure if the money was in exchange for the secret, blackmail, or even sex work, it's hard to know if it's related to the case at all. Regardless of how much of this was true or not, we do know that Sage's father, Dean, learned that Eric worked at a local Sherwin-Williams and posted his photo all over Facebook in hopes of drumming up leads. Yami went to the police with what she knew, and Dean contacted Eric's work and learned that he had not reported in for the last three days. In fact, he wasn't even in Charlottesville anymore. Police made attempts to contact Eric, and when they finally managed to get through, they asked him about his relationship with Sage Smith. In New York now, Eric claimed that he was supposed to meet her the night of the disappearance at the train station, but that it never actually happened. Though the text exchange between the pair seemed to corroborate his story, Eric never showed up for his scheduled police interview, and a few days later, his girlfriend told the police that he wrote her an email that claimed Sage was blackmailing him and that he did actually meet up with her that night. He said that she had many enemies, and when a group of people showed up at the station, he decided to keep on walking and leave Sage to deal with it herself. This email, sent December 3rd, was the last known contact with 29-year-old Eric McFadden. Between his disappearance and the changing story, Eric shot to the top of the suspect list, as Sage's missing persons case changed to a homicide in 2016. Years passed, and no new leads came in the devastating case. While her family and friends have fought to keep the attention of both the media and law enforcement, local police say the case remains open and active. They hold out hope that she is still alive, but Sage remains a missing person. So does Eric McFadden. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again to hear what terrible thing happened on November 21st. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon, or you can share it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe.
Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.